real wild one for you this week. Uh, so this, I guess you could say this episode is uh, semi-anonymous. This person wanted to remain nameless for very, very, very understandable reasons. Uh, and I'll get to that in one minute. But when I think about the craziest stories from, a, well, at least a, a certain part of my life, I'd say probably from like 16 to 20, all, literally every single one of them probably couldn't even have happened if not for one thing. And that one thing is a fake ID. Fake IDs have probably led to the most crazy story. If you added up all the kinds of crazy stories, having a fake ID is probably essential to all kinds of them, right? I mean, it's like the kind of shit I got into and was allowed to, was able to get into just because of this little fake thing that I had that lied about my age, it's, it's, it's wild. It boggles my mind. I can't even think of all the times. There's no possible way I could think of all the times and not just because of all the booze and drugs that I was on at the time that they happened. Uh, the reason I'm talking so much about fake IDs is because our guest today, when he was actually at the age when he needed a fake ID himself, he became... Actually, no, it is the right word. He became a kingpin of fake IDs. He's like the Heisenberg of fake IDs. His story is crazy. He tells it from the very beginning to the very end. He had a, li a literal empire uh, that he and one of his other friends started. And within, I don't know, a year or two, as he says it, he had fistfuls and fistfuls and money and hidden all over the place. It's just, it's absolutely insane. I don't want to give too much away, but it's just crazy. I loved talking to this dude. Uh, I was just about to say his name, but I can't do that because he asked me not to. So you're not going to know his name, but you are going to hear his story. And it is truly wild. Again, I wanted to make sure that you guys get the whole spectrum of all different kinds of stories that we got. And this certainly fits that bill. The story's crazy. You're going to love it. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the show, go to The Private Record and submit yourself as a potential guest. We cannot wait to hear your story. Uh, and if you want to follow us on socials, we're at The Private Record all over the place. Instagram, TikTok, all that. And of course, please don't forget to subscribe at YouTube. Uh, our official channel at The Private Record over there. Uh, and if you like this video, click the like button and comment. It really does help us out a lot. I want to do this forever. I love doing this. I don't ever want to stop. And the more you like it, the more you subscribe, the more you share it with your friends, the more you comment, the more likely I am to be able to do that for you, for the world, and for myself. So I love you. Thank you so much. As usual, you are my lover. You are my loved one. I couldn't do this without you. I appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Thank you very much. Welcome to The Private Record. We are excited to have you here. I know a very little bit about your story, but I can't wait to hear all of it because it sounds fucking crazy. Uh, but why don't we just briefly, uh, before we jump in, you introduce yourself. Use your real name if you want. If you want to use a fake name, use that one. Uh, and then just tell us like, like basically what you submitted. Tell us like the, either the genre or the headline of your story. And then we can jump right in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, my name's And a while ago, I ran a fake ID business that grew into a pretty large enterprise. Hell yeah, dude. All right, cool. Uh, I'm so excited for this. Let's get right into it. Start wherever you want to start and let's go. Yeah, 
All right. So I'd say around 19, around the age 19 mm-hmm. or so, me and my buddy, my buddy kind of led the charge at first trying to figure out how to develop a fake ID. Right? Like for yourselves, right? Yeah, but we ultimately had the idea of uh, reselling. Oh, okay. Okay. So you, from so, the beginning, you were like, we're going to turn this into something, right? Not that, just for that yourselves. Was, that was the goal. But of course, you had to make some prototypes right. and, and test it out. So uh, at first, you know, that there was a lot of trial and error, you know, the first like year or so. He, we had to figure out, and I, I could get into the nitty gritty of how. I would love to know specifically what you guys did, especially as it's starting out. Like, how did you even, because if I'm picturing myself at 19, I'm like, what is even the first thing I would do? And that's where I would end up stopping because I don't even know the first thing I would do, yeah. right? So like how, how, you guys had the idea and then what are the steps you take to, to try to get an accurate template? Yeah. Uh, don't recommend doing this, but <laughs> what we did. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, so as, as far as I can remember, the first steps were more or less like finding the template. So of course you got to search like the dark sides of the web, mm-hmm. some, some ID templates. Yeah. Um, we, we were based in California, so we were looking for California IDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to preface, this was before the new age California IDs. Uh, okay, right. Groups, right. California IDs that are, are much harder to plagiarize and mm-hmm. fake. Uh, so, so jumping back to that old era of IDs, yeah. uh, they were somewhat easier to, to fake. So we found, we would find the template. Um, then the next step was to, because there's, there's a few, there's a few parts of the ID that need to be faked mm-hmm. and plagiarized. To, to get past either a cop or a bouncer or whoever. Right. Uh, the three main ones is your your signature on it, the barcode on the back, like you know how you have the, mm-hmm. the black barcode that swipes? Mm-hmm. Just swipe and have your, your credentials in the barcode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also had the uh, the seal, the like yeah. uh, glitter seal across the front of yeah. the, the seal. Uh, and it also had the glow-in-the-dark uh, state seal as well. Oh, so, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Right. So those were the probably, I think, the top four that you had to get right. And, or if any of those were off, like, the bouncer would be like, nah, man. This yeah. Is, this is like, also, a big thing that people wouldn't normally realize is the texture as well. Mm. The laminate that the DMB uses is pretty unique mm. compared to most consumer laminates so you had to find the tech the right texture as well because a lot of time and thickness because they, they'll they'll immediately be like oh this is too thin Dude, right because yeah. people ha- who handle ids often they'll touch several at one you know, at one period of time and then one that feels off they're like no this is bullshit right yeah yeah it, instantly they yeah. can tell right like oh no this is fake so you know after finding the template uh e- which which we would then edit with Photoshop. Mm-hmm. That that was our, our one of our main tools. Um, figuring out the the laminate and barcode was probably the toughest part. The we had to source and find. Yeah, you know, we just scoured the internet mm-hmm. uh, and source and find a supplier uh, 
I, I don't exactly remember where we found this guy, mm -hmm. but this laminate we found was super rare. I think only him and maybe one other guy was making it. And it, of course it was on the black market. It right. Wasn't, it wasn't in retail. So mm -hmm. this guy would sell the laminate and the laminate was meant for IDs. Like I, I think this guy was meant to slang for <laughs> right. producers of IDs, right? right? right so right. it also had the barcode built into the laminate as well. So it was like a two for one. Wow. <clears throat> so luckily we got that laminate. We, I think we just, you know, obviously bought a little bit at first uh, to test it out. Mm -hmm. And that step was pretty good. We figured that out. We had to get a hot press laminate because we, we print the paper or, or we print the IDs on the uh, uh, photo paper, mm -hmm. press the, the laminate to the front and back. Um, so that's kind of one step of it. Uh, another, another part is the, the seal. The, mm -hmm. the state seal part. So that was also tricky to figure out too, um, how to apply that properly. Yeah. So we had to find, uh, we had to like make somewhat of a paint or like a goop that mimicked the glittery consistency that right. you see in the IDs. Um, I don't fully remember exactly what types of paints we found, but we, we, we created some concoction of, of different paints and glitter and goop to make some uh, some paint, and we got a silk screen. Mm. So we also got, we got a silk screen with the seals printed mm -hmm. on the silk screen, and we would lay down the laminates, you know, just like any shirt, yeah. right? You lay down the laminate on the silk screen, and we would uh, spread spread the paint across the the, the paper the photo mm -hmm. paper, mm -hmm. or sorry, the laminate, and it would it would print the the shiny glittery state seal across the laminate, which was pretty innovative at the time. Yeah, that sounds so tricky. Like, so just real quick, like I, I know there's more, but how like long of a process is this for you guys? Is this like on the back burner or is this something you guys are like, we're gonna do this and you're kind of working at a, at a, at a fast clip? Yeah, so we were young. We didn't really have like, you know, full-time jobs mm -hmm. or vibes or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's, it was kind of just free range, man. We just kind of, as much time as we could, mm -hmm. it was kind of just, let's figure this out. And this uh, is like right after high school, right? I guess you're 19, you're just fresh out of high school and you guys are like, let's yeah. be the guy. Cause I remember just as an anecdote, we're probably at least close enough to the same age. But I remember when I wanted a fake ID, the, the, the way to do it was so shady, A, and, and B, it was, in retrospect, extremely dangerous. Like I would go down to Alvarado, down over like in Echo Park, and there were those guys that would go like this, fake, 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 ID, 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 ID. And uh, I went with like three of my buddies. We just gave a total stranger in a McDonald's parking lot. Like, I don't, remember, <laughs> I don't even remember how much money it was. And then they needed to take the picture in like the back of some weird like trailer. Like it was like, you know, I think about my dumbass self back then and it's like, what was I thinking? But, you know, kind of speaks to the reason why you're doing this. Kids at that age, 
at that time in our life would do almost anything for a fake ID. So what your, you know, your enterprise is like, it's very obvious why you would try to hustle this so hard because everyone wants one and they're all shit. I mean, the one I got was pure shit. It would work at like the liquor store where some old sleepy dude would sell me a, a 12 pack of Bud Light, but like, like it wouldn't work at like a bar, you know what I mean? So like, you know, the, it being good, it's priceless, you know? I would have paid any amount of money that I could get my hands on for something that you're describing. But anyway, yeah, keep going. Totally right. And yeah. I think that's what we saw, uh, yeah. was the, there's demand for it. Like yeah. we wanted it, yeah. right? Yeah. And kids, you know, kids from 18 to up to 20 are, are just- Totally. All down for it. Yeah. So yeah, jumping back to the, the development process, <laughs> it was, figuring those things out took, took months and, and trial and error, right? It wasn't like instantly we figured it out. Right. Uh, but the, I'm, I'm jumping to like the solution we, we, we did find, like, mm -hmm. so that we figured out the state seal, mm. which would be printed onto the laminate itself. Um, and we would do eight at a time per page. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was so wondering about one, that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Page, right. So, uh, more bang for your buck mm -hmm. per page, which is nice. And we, we found glow in the dark ink. Uh, and we figured out the seal to print that that was relatively straightforward uh, mm -hmm. print the glow in the dark seals per per uh, slot on the mm -hmm. on the paper uh, and then the signature in the photos was also tricky at first uh you know this was a while back so technology wasn't yeah. as good as today mm -hmm. and we had to figure out a way to get somebody's photo to match like because dmv photos are you know have like that weird blue background totally it's hard to mimic that kinda yeah pixelated yeah. and a little little weird like the dimension uh so yeah we had to figure that out so at first we would we built our own backdrop and oh, tried wow. to try to emulate the DMV right okay yeah yeah photo taking did that at first and then we'd have people sign their signature on a piece of paper and we'd mm. photocopy it uh and then basically extract that and put it into in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. um, so that got most of the moving pieces. Uh, the next big part was adding the the user the user's credentials in the barcode. So that was pretty yeah. Neat. That sounds like not how 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 does that how could you possibly have known how to do that? Yeah, we did it. Was it just uh, a lot of trial and error, or like, did you even have it? Did you, one of you have an inkling how that might work, or were you just like throwing shit at the wall, seeing what would work? Uh, it was just research. Yeah, uh, just seeing how like actual card companies do that, right? Mm. So, it's a bunch of research and finding like, because there's uh, I forget what they call them now, but there's like uh, barcode swipers. It's like a little eight by ten device. Mm. Uh, that plugs in your USB on your on your computer, and you have a little UI uh, interface for it, and you basically just type in what you want it to be encoded as you swipe. Mm -hmm. So once we had the card, you know, printed and made, or I should say, ID printed and made and, and cut out, we then uh, swipe it in that that barcode creator. Mm -hmm. It worked over time. Wow! And, and there's machines that are better than than others so we you know obviously we we had to go through a couple different machines uh to get the most optimal mm -hmm. result sometimes mm -hmm. it was flaky right sometimes it would 
it would work. You'd go to scan it, and it would it would be smooth, and no one would know otherwise. Right. But sometimes it, it wouldn't, and hmm. so eventually we'd have to find those superior machines. Yeah, hundred percent, no error rate. Wow. Um, yeah, so that was a fun one, and <laughs> I think the last piece of the puzzle was uh, to cut it, to cut it out. Right. Because like we have eight on a sheet, mm-hmm. so we have to. We we found a a, a laminate cutter, uh, which wasn't too hard. Mm-hmm. But you got to find the right size. You had to find the right exact size of the IDs in this in the the bordered shape of it. So that took a bit. Um, figured that out eventually. So we had we had a couple prototypes after the first probably year, mm. and we started with ourselves and maybe a couple other close friends and. It was hit or miss at first, right? Like sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. More, more, mostly it would work. You know, the the local looker mark. Right, right. But whenever we'd try at the uh, the bar, mm-hmm. the club, mm-hmm. it it would get turned down or taken mm. at first. So over time, it it got better and better, and I'll get to that. But so there was that phase of okay, we got we got a product we got some kind of product that we want to share with people, but obviously it's, it's risky and you don't want to put your face out yeah. out there. So what would happen? It just like you think you, you start at the ground roots, like you would be at a party, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is high school days. Mm-hmm. So you'd be at a, or in college days. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of just started with word of mouth, right? Like our friends that had the pr- first prototypes would, 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 show it off, mm-hmm. talk about it, you know, it, get, it gets interest really fast. Like we said, these kids, yeah. you know? Yeah, more than anything. There's there's nothing, even like a hookup for drugs, like that's like way more common than a hookup for a real, actual good fake ID. I mean, I specifically remember the desperation so many of us had. I was lucky because I got my hands on my brother's old ID which was real and I looked enough like him, but it was expired. So like that still was fucked up and it would only work here and there. But like, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is like untold riches that you're on the precipice of making here. I mean, like I can't imagine, did it happen quickly? Were it like just a massive flood or was it slow trickle and then it just got really big? Yeah, I mean, it definitely gained interest quickly but not to you know not to the extent that it eventually grew to mm-hmm. but the local interest was fast yeah, right yeah. so it was like everyone at, in our local social circle uh even the greater city mm-hmm. it, it, it spread fast mm-hmm. and people were buying and eventually we had to build some kind of uh, corporate structure <laughs> for lack of better words like where <laughs> we we had runners yeah we, right calling them runners they were people that went out and sold them for us basically right yeah they would they would have their clientele that had their runners so it was like a chain wow. of people because because what would happen is someone would be a customer and they'd mm-hmm. buy one mm-hmm. and they'd like it they'd use it it'd work then they'd go shop it to their friends yeah. and they become a runner mm-hmm. so it just kept spread, it's like a chain and it kept spreading yeah. wow yeah so we eventually built this barrier of runners around myself and my partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and that that created some safeguarding, right? So it it brought in brought in the money, and I think at first we were charging hundred and fifty dollars per ID. At that time, that's actually quite expensive. But again, if what you're providing, you know, usually you're getting into something, you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. Maybe you char get charged 40, 50 bucks, maybe 80. And you're like, uh oh, this is going to turn out like shit. But if you, again, if ahead of time, you know, you're getting something that works, 150 obviously sounds high, especially for however long ago this was. But that's fucking nothing if you know you're going to get the product that's going to work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what happened. Like we we built the reputation that yeah. these were like yeah. we had a good product. So so people were okay. And that 150 50 of it would go to the runners. Mm. Uh so yeah, then the 100 would come back to us as the the founders. So <clears throat> that was pretty much the business model for the for the whole the whole run. Like no matter what we we as the operators would get $100 per ID. And the runners could charge whatever they wanted. Right. The further you go out, they they could charge two hundred, two fifty, you know, and they could keep a hundred dollars to themselves. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting because you're getting to the point where it's it's lucrative, almost equally for everyone down the line. Like there's certain rich neighborhoods where they could probably charge even more than that, and you would have no idea, nor would you give a shit because you're getting your money at the end of the day. You don't need yeah. to even concern yourself with how much it's getting upcharged out like two, three, uh, people down the, down the way, you know, that's, yeah, yeah it's like, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly fucking astounded. This is crazy. And I've never, I, even in all of my time from, I would say 16 to 20, I never knew anybody who had one this good. And I just know that if I did, not only would I have paid for it, but I would have, I would have fucking told everybody that I knew where to get their shit, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm, the reason I say that is because I'm imagining that's what happened. So like how quickly did this become a massive operation for you? I, I don't even know that it did, but I, but I know that it did. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it must have, they just, when the demand is there, there's no possibility that it didn't get really big for you guys. Yeah. It, it did. And, you know, we were young too. So it was a lot of money for yeah. our age. Yeah. Uh, it, I'd say like a year or two in, it was making six figures to start. Oh, dude. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That is fucking crazy. Just, yeah. Just to start out like that first couple years, um, you know, we have partners and, and like I said, it's, it's a split business model, but mm -hmm. it, Maybe even considering like the money that the runners were making, it was probably making more. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm speaking to, to the money, the take home money right. was at least six figures. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. And it, I want to take a step back a bit. Like mm. at first, I was I was one of the the main runners. Mm. So I, I was the first. Like I was more of the guy like trying to shop out. The product, okay, yeah. The You're the salesman. Yeah. And my buddy was more of like the development mm -hmm. and he was trying to just iterate on it and improve it, mm -hmm. improve the product. Um, so it, it, it slowly grew and caught, caught like wildfire, obviously locally. And then as our runners grew, our, our span reached mm -hmm. even further. Mm -hmm. Like we, we started going beyond our, our region, mm -hmm. beyond our county. Like it, it started 
reaching different states. Really? I, I mean, I was going to ask, like, uh, how, like, obviously, you're only making the California ID because you can't have a template for all different states and shit. But obviously, uh, a California ID works in New Mexico, Arizona, Washington, wherever you go. It's just an ID is an ID. So, uh, and because it's a product with potential exponential growth, un unlimited growth, I guess. I mean, uh, how do you even have a sense of, besides just the sheer number that you're making, like how do you end up even knowing that your tentacles are starting to reach into other states? Like at what point are you like, oh my God, this is enormous? <laughs> uh, kind of just the obvious of like the, the amount of orders we were mm. getting. And eventually, like, you know how I mentioned we would take pictures of people. That's what uh, I was going to ask. Yeah, how do you, yeah, yeah. That wasn't scalable. Right. That, eventually, we had to figure out a way to not do that because it's not scalable. Yeah. Because if people are ordering one from far away, yeah. how, how do we right? So we figured out, like, and this was even, a, it made the product better mm -hmm. that we just need to have our runners scan their current IDs. So we just scanned their IDs in high res, and they would send us scans of all their customers' IDs we would put that in a Photoshop. Oh, we okay, yeah. Extract out their current photo ID, so it's an exact replica of yeah. the photo ID, and we would extract out the the signature, um, and obviously we'd have all their info right there. Yeah, their their name and everything. So it it was a more streamlined process and made more sense. Oh wow, yeah, that's fucking genius. Yeah, I that's. <laughs> that's so yeah. simple yeah it's just right there everything's on their idea already way, yeah way yeah. easier and i think that's kind of what excelled the growth a lot mm -hmm. honestly because it, it re removed that bottleneck and it made the product better too so mm -hmm. and it kind of yeah it, it it ended up being like so if you think about it if we could fit eight ids per sheet of paper that's eight hundred dollars mm -hmm. and we were getting like not even the peak, but like as things started rolling up, we were getting 40, 50 a week. So 200 a month, you know, do the math, you yeah. know, it started adding up to quite a lot of money. Yeah. And, and you know, we're just young kids and eventually I just personally, I uh, would, I moved out. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had this money. I didn't tell my parents where I had this money. I had just some part-time job at the time. Um, <clears throat> so I moved out and had friends, other friends, you know, roommates move in and it became friends were, became the employees of mm -hmm. the business. Yeah. They were kind of on payroll mm. and it, they eventually we, me and my buddy, as, as the product got good enough, uh, we kind of stepped out from the actual production of things. Mm -hmm and became operators and managers. And our, our friends became the employees that made the product. Because mm -hmm. we knew the process, we figured out the process of like, the skills of how to, how to do it in Photoshop, how to do it with the silk screen, and every other step of the way. So we just taught our friends and we paid them per hour, mm -hmm. you know, 40 bucks an hour or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you know, at the time, 40 bucks an hour was, yeah incredible that's incredible now for a lot of almost everybody <laughs> that's an incredible rate i mean that's the thing you know you're describing a process in which every single 
every single person at every single level is happy. The, the buyer yep. is happy because they get exactly what they want. The employees are happy because they're doing something that isn't, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's, it's teachable and it's rather easy to soak up. Like, you know, you're just, once you have the hang of it, I'm sure it just became punching and punching out. And, yep. you know, obviously the money is good for you guys at the very top. I mean, yeah. So, so tell me then how long does this, uh, are you still, is this still like you're going up, up, up at this point? Like at what point does it start to cap? And like, cause obviously you don't do this now. Like when do you start to peak, I guess? And how many are you selling per whatever it is? Like at what point are you peaking and what does that look like for you guys? Yeah. I'd say uh, peak was about three years in, mm -hmm. three or four years in. And I was around 21, 22. Um, so I, I didn't need a fake ID anymore. Right. <laughs> I got past that point, but I was still running the business. And where the reason why it kind of peaked for me around that time is my my partner that you know helped build it and develop it with me, he kind of he stepped out. He mm. removed himself. He he went off to college uh, and he more or less gave the business to me. Wow. And he kind of just wanted to run his uh, his own customers, you know, just to still get some cash flow. Sure. But he was like, you take it. I, I don't want, he also didn't want the heat. He kind of just sure. wanted to move on. Yeah. So I was, I was, you know, happy to take it. I was well aware of the risk, but I think we had, uh, some, some risk adverse in place, mm. which we could get into. Um, yeah, and I definitely do want to talk about that, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. Once my once my partner got out, so you know, more cash flow would come to me because I own more of the business at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, it, yeah, it got peak like few few hundred IDs a month. But I think that's probably when we'd plateau. Like mm. that was probably. I'm sure we could have kept expanding, but we were just kind of smooth sailing you know, right? yeah i mean at a certain point you if you want to keep expanding you're really raising the potential of you getting in serious trouble and at a right. certain point you're making I, a lot of money you're not in it to like become a fucking lord of this you know you just started out <laughs> probably trying to make some money and make some friends happy and the next thing you know you got like hundreds of thousands of dollars but yeah it's like i i totally get why you wouldn't be like i gotta keep going i gotta keep expanding because you're opening yourself up for you know potential actual criminal punishment. Yeah. Um, exactly. What, yeah. obviously you knew that, right? Uh, of course you knew that you're not an idiot. Uh, what, to what degree, I guess, throughout the whole process, like even at, in the beginning, were you thinking like, well, obviously this is illegal. Like how, how, how did you work that in your mind at first? Like if I get caught, I'm in deep shit. But then as it expands and gets like a huge operation, you must be thinking if I get caught, I'm truly fucked. So like walk me through that a little bit, like your the evolution of your thought in terms of, yeah, this is illegal, but whatever, I'm just going to do it for some friends and make a little bit of money into like you're like the kingpin of fake IDs. How does how does your mind work throughout all this? Yeah, yeah, it you know, it's hard to remember exactly the 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 growth of that, mm -hmm. but uh, when it first started out, I don't think we really cared. 
I don't think we really worried about it mm-hmm. too much. Yeah. Uh, we kind of just were trying to see if it, if it could be a viable option, a viable product. But as things grew, like when we became like, like, like that stage where we got runners in front of mm-hmm. us, it was recurring business. Uh, we then started to put some safeguards in place, um, some barriers, right? You had to you had to put barriers in front of you. Uh, yeah. So we would we eventually got an office to do the work in, uh, and we, the office switched from like a couple different spots over time. But mm. every time we got an office, because we we had fake IDs for ourselves mm-hmm. and different names, it it wasn't our real ah, name. Ah, okay. Ideas. So we would get a lease for an office under a fake yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's one barrier, right? So like even if even if that office is found mm-hmm. when we're not there, obviously, they wouldn't be able to trace it back to us. Yeah, um, right. Another step is obviously like a burner phone. Mm-hmm. We all have burner phones at the time. That was like the best option for that. Um, we had burner emails because a lot of the time, eventually, like I said, when when our runners started scanning people's IDs, mm. they would need to get them to us somehow. Yeah, Email was the quickest way, but we had to do it securely. I forget what app we used. We just used some secure email app, and then we would just delete it afterwards. Mm. That, that probably was like the biggest hole mm. that could have been risky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in, in hindsight. Uh, and we had P.O. boxes that were under fake names. So essentially using our own product, our own fake ideas, yeah, yeah. we created barriers around ourselves. Uh, and then actually in practice, when when we would make them, we always wore gloves because mm-hmm. uh, laminate, you know, is very yeah. sticky with fingerprints. Mm-hmm. So o- o- always wore gloves, always cleaned up. Uh, we locked all our hard drives, stuff like that. So even if there was, you know, God forbid, some kind of raid, mm-hmm. that stuff would be hard to incriminate on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there'd be a way, but we did our best. You right, know? right, uh, right. And we were young kids. I'm sure there was holes in what we did, but but we did put, we tried to put as much barriers in place. I think where the biggest risk comes is just, people yeah people. that's the leaky mouths of people you gotta wonder like who out there is like talking to their fucking dad who's a cop or their mom who's a judge or whatever the fuck god knows who's saying what you know if a parent finds a kid's fake id they're gonna ask questions how did you get this and who knows what they're answering like and at a certain point it's completely uncontrollable i mean even just a hundred fake ids out in the world produced by you and your partner that's a hundred kids with loose lips. Who knows what's going on out there in the world? I guess my, so my next question is like, it doesn't sound like it, but was there any point where you had reason to think you might be exposed in one area or another? Was it just smooth sailing until you were like, you know what, I'm done? Uh, there wasn't any huge <laughs> incident that occurred, but there was time, like, a to speak to that specifically, like there was a time where things got too comfortable. Mm. And like I said, it's, it's the people were a risk. Yeah. The people talking. So like, for example, we, 
at, at one point we had moved our operations to the basement of our house. Mm. It wasn't in the office. Okay. I forget why we did that, but I, I think just for proximity, mm-hmm. which probably wasn't the smartest idea, but we put it, we put the operations in our basement <clears throat> and we would have our runners meet with us very close to the, you know, the grocery store next door or down the street. So, so our runners knew where right. we operate for uh, most of them. And our, our reach got so far, like I was saying, beyond the county to, to further upstate, out of state. And I was here eventually at one point to where I got truly concerned. I was hearing relayed information back to me that kids were speaking my name, my specific name. I don't even know how they knew that back, back down the chain of people or like just random people speaking, Oh, you know, he makes these fake IDs. Yeah. And that was worrisome. It's like, how does, how did these random people far away? Yeah. How did, getting a hold of my personal information. Yeah. That's unless my runners are talking. But even know? then it's like a game of telephone. That's so weird. Like, but you know, it makes sense that shit like that would happen when an operation is so big. It's almost like anything bad that can happen. It's almost like it will happen. You have to think that way at least because there's so many variables and each ID is going not only to one person, but through at least, you know, three people, maybe more. And it's like, the math on that, it's almost like, you know, obviously you ended up fine, but it's, if you kept going, I'm sure there was, there would have been a point that it was just inevitable that something would have come crashing down. So I guess, when do you start to say to yourself, I'm done? I, I guess what I'm having a hard time understanding is like, you're making so much money, you are able to operate in a space where you're not super paranoid you know when you're dealing drugs it's like you got to be looking over your shoulder all the time especially at the scale at which you were doing ids but even this the type of crime that you're doing it's like it's so easy to shrug at that they're going to get a fake id somehow somewhere anyway and like they might as well have a really good one and whatever the fuck we could talk about the morality of it another time but like there's no pressing reason necessarily for you to wipe your hands of it and go, go, go. So what does lead you to that? And how, what does that process look like for you? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened in between what we've been talking about and then the the final departure, Mm -hmm. but it ultimately just led to, I, I just wanted to step out and pursue a career of, mm. of my own, mm-hmm. uh, like a you know legitimate career path. Sure, yeah. So, um, I, I I ultimately handed off the business to another friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, over time, and I I, cre- I made a deal with him saying, you know, I'll give you this business. I'll teach you how to operate it. I'll teach you how to supply it. Um, I my deal is I keep my runners. And I, I give you my orders and I take 50%. Mm-hmm. So I would get 50% of all my orders. He could build his own runners, his own customers, and he keeps 100%. Mm. So it was a good deal for him. Yeah. But obviously it's putting risk on him now. Yeah. He took the deal. Um, so that's kind of, it, it, it got passed on. And it lived through him and I'd say around like 23. 
23 is when that happened. 20, yeah, probably 23. So I, at that time, I had I had moved away from that that house where we had it in the basement. Uh, I moved further south, kind of got stepped away from it a bit, uh, just so I wasn't in such heat mm-hmm. in the midst of it. And uh, he he more or less took over and. It, it funded even that 50%. It, it kind of funded my lifestyle for a couple of years. Like I didn't really need, I didn't have a job, mm-hmm. but I was focusing, I was learning uh, my skills that I have now for my career. Mm. So it, it allowed me to do that, which is great. It supported, it's, it paid for my housing, it paid for my car, my food, mm-hmm. and it supported me for years. Mm-hmm. And I, I was fully stepped out. Yeah. It allowed me to learn skill sets for actual career because I had all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that it kind of just phased out like that. Mm-hmm. It was like a slow burn phase out where mm-hmm. he he's also slowly phased out of it, and I think Got it, it. kind of just died out. And you know, I think what was the ultimate nail in the coffin for it was the new California. Uh, right. That's what I was going to ask. Like, because yeah. when that comes, the house of cards falls. Right. Like you can't duplicate the shit that they come up with now. It's like. You got to have like warehouses and scientists trying to copy, like do that shit, you know? Uh, yeah. Dude, I remember, this is just a little anecdote, but I remember when I, when my family moved from New Jersey to California, the New Jersey driver's licenses didn't even have people's pictures on them. It was just like a fucking card with someone's name written on it and some like stamp from the state of New Jersey. I remember going, I, re- I was little and I remember this. Because I, I was living in California, I knew what IDs looked like. And I saw my dad's, who, which was still New Jersey. And I was like, Dad, what the fuck is that? You know? But it's just like a testament to how open to counterfeiting this shit was. And where we are now, dude, you look at a California ID now, and it's like, dude, good luck, 19-year-olds trying to figure that shit out. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, speaking of 19-year-olds trying to figure it out, when you would go to these people, like the laminate people and the barcode dude, whatever, <laughs> I'm sure you would approach them with kind of like trying to seem like professional, but they know what's up. You know they know what's up. What is that interaction like? You know, like at the very beginning, when you're going to a guy that has like the nope, the wherewithal, the know how, and uh, he's looking at you like, what the fuck does this kid want? Is it just unspoken? Nobody asks shit. Everyone's just like, I'm going to make money, so I'm not going to ask anything. Or are they like asking you, like, are you legit and you're lying? Like, how does it work at that, at yeah, that yeah. stage? Yeah, I mean, the, the supplies that were black market, uh, it was kind of an, an unspoken thing, yeah. more or less. And it, it was all, communication was all done online. Mm. So we never had to meet like face to face or anything but you know for up front like the the barcode stuff we would you know we would just say oh we, we need key cards we need to make key cards for uh our company mm-hmm. or or our event or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. we would just you know fib a little bit yeah just to say why we need to laminate but you know if obviously <laughs> if they encountered with some questions it would be debunked right really quick right right but, right um <laughs> uh, yeah it I think it was just the unspoken thing. Like they, they, they wanted the, the customer. Sure, they wanted us yeah. To so, uh, we just knew that we had to be discreet and, you know, reserved with, with our words and, and they were too. So it kind of just was like a, yeah. Everybody benefits. Why 
upset the apple cart. Uh, yeah. And so <clears throat> when you're up and fully up and operating and making money and also I'm, I'm assuming being very consumed time-wise, people in your life, who knows, who doesn't know, how are you spinning your, you know, I'm sure you're not like broadcasting how much money you're making, but at the same time, if people know you only have a part-time job, <clears throat> what are you telling them about your ability to live well? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I didn't live too abundantly. Mm. I didn't live lavishly and like throw it in people's faces or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I, I still had to support myself. Right. So is, people are like, this motherfucker's unemployed. What's going on here? What, what would you <laughs> yeah. say? Like, what would, how would that work? You know? Well, my friends, the social circle I would had and my brother, they all knew. They all knew. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't really have to hide it on that front. I think the biggest people I had to hide it from was my parents. Right. That's the one that really pops so, out. What would, what, what, how would that work? Yeah. And I, I just milked the part-time job for a while, mm -hmm. uh, which I think they just kind of assumed was supporting me. And eventually as I was learning those skill sets I was talking about and uh, I, I was saying like, oh, I'm picking up freelance work, mm. freelance work with this, with this new career path I'm, I'm pursuing. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I kind of, and again, I didn't live lavishly. I, I just got a normal apartment, had a normal car didn't didn't like go spend in thousands and thousands, you know? So I didn't raise any big red flags to my parents at the time, but I will say this eventually as the business was phasing out, I did tell my parents, uh. <laughs> I did tell them everything. I just what was it. that conversation like? <laughs> they were just in shock, you know. Yeah. Just they kind of were like, "Oh, we knew you'd get into something like this." <laughs> That's my favorite part for sure. That it's like yeah. I knew something was up. You're too fucking <laughs> sly and slick. I knew something was going on. Um, <clears throat> wow, that's crazy. So, uh, also just the actual money that's coming in it's all cash obviously what are you doing with that money you can't put it in a bank without explaining it so like is it sitting in a mattress like what the fuck's going on it was mostly sit sitting in a safe just stop wow wow and we would just eventually slowly just put it in bank accounts but it mostly just stayed in cash form yeah think we ever really tried to you know launder it but right get it into an account it just stayed in cash form and I, I remember I went in the just funny side story I went and bought a car mm. uh, nothing crazy it was like 10 grand at the time right which I think over 10 grand is when it triggers a flag right yeah there's so, something about that number like it, it's something about cash and 10 grand in deposits and withdrawals at a bank and other yeah. stuff too, like big purchases. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was, it was just, the car was just under 10 grand. It was like <laughs> nine grand. Um, yeah. And I met the person to, you know, test drive it. And, and, uh, I was like, yeah, I'll take it. I'll, I'll buy it. And then I was like, one sec, let me, let me go grab, grab the cash. And I come back with a lot of cash. And wow. she was like, 
the lady was like, whoa, are you a, are you a drug dealer? Yeah. And she straight called me out. Dude, I bet. Well, here's something that's super, that keeps coming into my mind. And I'm not quite sure the way to say it, but let me, let me try to say it. Doing what you guys were doing, off, okay, most of the versions of, your, of this kind of story are like drug, drugs of one way or another. Like you're dealing something illicit that people want and it's always, almost always drugs. And with drugs dealing comes not only way more intense attention from potential law enforcement, not just cops, but DEA, international agencies, but also other people that deal drugs don't want people who deal drugs to be dealing drugs because they want to be the ones dealing the drugs and they'll fucking kill you or at least threaten to kill you and make you stop dealing drugs. That happens all the time. In the thing you were doing, it's, and I hesitate to use this word, but it, I keep coming back to my mind. It's like the perfect illegal thing to be doing because there's not a whole bunch of like cartels or particularly dangerous people in the business of fake IDs. It's a little too much work. Customers only come once. That's not worth it to people like that. You know, they want repeat exactly. customers. There's no yeah, there's no, so there's nobody out there that's like, oh, these two fucking knuckleheads from wherever the fuck they're dealing with it. They're, they're making their IDs like, let's go cut their heads off. Let's go threaten to kill their family. There's nobody like that because nobody's doing it. So it's like you, I'm, I doubt this crossed your mind, but at some point you must have realized, wait a second, this is like I've fallen into like the perfect illegal thing to be doing. Because even, and, and you know, again, even if you do get caught, you're not getting some kind of hefty ass drug sentence, you know, like it's still the crime that, that it is, which is like, nah, who fucking cares? You know what I mean? Like, I, I know it's a crime and I know people would care, but at the same time, no one's going to be up in arms about two kids making fake IDs in their basement. That's just not something people are going to get upset about, you know? Uh, so it's like, yes, it's illegal. Obviously it's illegal, but, and I hate the term victimless crime, but like it's something near, it's adjacent to that. And it's also, it's not, a, 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 you don't, you're not in some, you're not in a larger criminal underworld. You're just guys doing this thing and it's like you can chill and not worry about both law enforcement and other people encroaching on territory, coming in saying we need to make this amount off of you or else we're going to do da 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 There's none of that mafia, hardball, cartel shit going on. Like, and I guess that leads to my question. Was there any point where conflict or potential conflict or potential trouble seemed like it was potentially going to come your way or was it basically smooth sailing until you were like ah, i'm done i'm a, just to <clears throat> add to that i, I fully agree yeah. to your assessment there yeah that, that's kind of how we felt about it yeah. the whole time because uh, you know we didn't we could have gotten into selling drugs right yeah almost anybody can right uh but we didn't, and we saw this as like more of like a white collar crime. Like it was, we weren't, yeah. we weren't getting people addicted to drugs. We weren't, you know. So yeah, and there was no competition. There was no fear. But even with white collar crime, you're often 
white collar criminals are stealing money from people. You're not doing that either. Like you're just giving people something for a product you're making for them. I mean, you're, yeah. you're making money off of that, but it's just like, it's just like anything else. You're buying something online and then getting it and it's a good product. Like obviously it's illegal, but aside from the fact that it is, it's hard to see people being hurt by this process, you know? Uh, yeah. So even uh, calling it white collar crime, it's like, yeah, but you're not fucking Bernie Madoff. You know what I mean? Like you're not stealing from people. Stealing's fucking yeah. terrible. And you didn't do that, you know? Uh, I'm not trying to like defend you and not like it. you need defense. That's not my point. My point is like, it's just this weird niche of like, in every way you look at it, you're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I totally. That's how that's how we felt about it too. Yeah. Uh, and to answer your question, there it was mostly smooth sailing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I can think of a couple incidents. I think the only biggest concern or risk is the people close to you. Like, yeah. There was a couple fallouts oh. throughout the years, where you know I'd had a I'd had a buddy who was my right hand guy. Mm. We have a fallout. Now he's a liability, right? Yeah, he, yeah. That's could, interesting. Uh, yeah. He could go to law enforcement, right? Yeah. So there's a couple of those instances. Uh, you know, luckily none of them were out to ruin my life. Yeah. Or my life. Yeah. So it, it didn't turn into anything like that. But there was times where my buddy that helped develop and build the business, uh, we he got his own house too. Mm. Uh in the same city and uh it became the party pad mm -hmm. like it was the part like crazy parties right like mm -hmm. drug use mm -hmm. just crazy things would happen there um which was just the stage we were in it was yeah. just the era yeah, right you know of our lives and <clears throat> it would get cops called to his house mm -hmm. um for various reasons not anything related to fake ids right yeah I, one incident like I don't exactly remember what happened, but it was enough for the cops to barge in. Whoa. I, I think there was like someone was like passed out on the front street or mm. something like that. Yeah. Or a girl was passed out on the front street. I don't know. I don't fully remember, but it caused the cops to barge in and storm the house. Damn. And that's intense. They even, yeah. they even went into my buddy's master bedroom and he, they see fake IDs laying everywhere. Oh my God! They see evidence. They see the the print, the screen print. They see the tool, <laughs> and nothing happened. Wow, nothing dude! Happened. Wild, right? It's like they, they. I think they even, if I recall correctly, they even pointed it out. Like, uh, we're not going to do anything about this because we're not, we're not called here for this. Yeah, we're called here for like some domestic issue, right? So it's like. They they just kind of dismissed it and went and helped the girl and tried yeah. to alleviate the situation and moved on and never came back, which was wild. So it's like when stuff some that happened, yeah. that was like probably midpoint through. Mm -hmm. That was like put in my head like, okay, there's not there's not that much high risk. But you that's know, the thing, dude. If a cop can barge into a place, see all of the evidence of your criminal operation, and just be like, ah, fuck it, like then. <laughs> How bad could it possibly be? Here's a good here's a good way to think of it. If that was 
even if that was just weed back then when it was illegal, his ass would have been in jail that night, period. Like, it doesn't matter. The cops couldn't be like, well, we're not going to deal with that. They would have found it, and that would have been that. And that's just fucking weed. You could go to a store and buy weed now. You can't go to a store and buy a fake ID. Like, there's just a thing, a weird thing about fake IDs where people are just like, and again, in this case, even cops, they're just like, I'm, I'm, fuck it. You know, it's hard <laughs> yeah. to get up and, and upset about it. You know, uh, yeah. I'm sure some people are and, and whatever the fuck, everybody's entitled to their opinions. But like, it's just, it's, it's that weird, that's that weird niche that you guys found that is just like, yeah. again, I hesitate to use this word, perfect. It's like the perfect thing, it was, you know? It was the perfect, yeah, uh, crime, perfect product too. Yeah. There's so much demand for it. it, it was lucrative. Uh, it made the chain of people uh, wealthy too. Yeah. So yeah, and it was fun. It was a wild ride, and you know, it it grew to multiple six figures, mm -hmm. and supported me for years. Uh, had a big, you know, big chunk of savings from it. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot. I pretty much learned how to run a business. Well, that's the other thing too. It's not, it's yeah. not, but so, if you strip away the thing it is that you're doing, specifically the product you're making, yeah. it sounds like it was just like any other successful business that was, that had a product that was in high demand for people of a certain age demographic. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of that, you know, uh, yeah. it's just crazy that, you know, it's interesting that like, all it took was two guys that were just like, well, if we learn every single little part about how to make these things, we will be able to make them and then people will want them and then we will get rich. You know, it's just like, it's really interesting how simple it really is sometimes. And yeah. obviously the reason a lot of people didn't think of that about you know specifically fake IDs at that time and place is because it's illegal. That's a one reason why. But you know I think again the reason why people who typically do try to come up with criminal enterprises like this, I think the reason why they don't do that is again because it's a one and done thing. There's no return repeat customer potential at all. The only way is if someone loses it. But like that's not something to bank on. Uh, yeah. It's it's just it's just fucking crazy, man. I mean, this is this is amazing. Do you ever tell people that like you meet now about this shit, or you just kind of keep it in the past? Ah, uh, very rarely. Yeah, it, it's certain certain people or situations. Uh, I just thought of some cool story to to share. Like, yeah, let's have it. In the heyday of it all, uh, you know, our IDs were getting really good, and mm. I, I think our 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 bar of quality was like, well, these pass in Vegas will these mm, pass mm -hmm. in a Hollywood club mm -hmm. those were like the, the top things is like can you go to Hollywood can you get in any club can you go to Vegas and get in any club mm -hmm. and we were we were getting there uh, I, I remember going to Vegas multiple times with all our group of friends with all our fake IDs 19 20 years old getting into numerous clubs Wow I don't think I don't recall any of our friends getting the take away so that was awesome. And one specific story is like we, I, I don't know if you know of uh, 
the W Hotel in Hollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a, they have like a club at the top. Yep. A pool. Yeah. The pool, like Dre's club or something. Mm-hmm. That was like the the pop and nightclub to go to. You know, we were nineteen twenty, uh, and my buddy, he he kind of knew someone there, so he he organized an event. And he was also twenty himself. Mm-hmm. He organized an event for I think it was his birthday, so he had a huge guest list, mm-hmm. like a hundred of us. We're all pretty much underage, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and all of us got, you know, all of us got there. And I, I think that was the one time where it was like the big, like it was like a hit or miss, like something like half of them got taken. Oh, really? Wow. I think once the bouncer caught one, right, like, oh, right, right. Group, there's something fishy, and he just kept kept finding it but then like half of us got in too so it was like it was a funny a funny situation because my buddy was like getting heat like crazy i'm from sure the, yeah the owners like okay what's up with all these underage fake ids da, yeah. da, da. but while we're upstairs just partying still <laughs> underage and stuff. being the people who made them yeah i mean that's hilarious <laughs> too i'm sure all the people that didn't get in were texting your buddy just like what the fuck man this is a piece of shit you sold me this fucking thing you know uh right yeah wow dude yeah that's it's weird though that 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 the bouncer let in a bunch of people but also didn't a bunch of other people when it's when you and and your partner know damn well they all are exactly the same thing is kind of interesting like what the fuck is that psychologically like why is he not being like bye 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 why is he like oh that one's real this one's fake and the same fucking thing like that's weird you know it seems so fucking arbitrary I'll, I'll give you some insight that there is some quality, quality control when it comes okay. to making it. Got it. So there is some spectrum of, you know, lesser quality to greater quality mm. in the way you make it. Mm-hmm. You know, so if there's one one of our friends slacking one night, right? You know, it, it could turn out a lesser quality. Right, right, right. Yeah, we we did have to have some quality standards for sure. Yeah. We, as a business, but yeah, there was times like that where there'd be a big a big run of IDs that got taken, got returned, mm. you know, had fee- bad feedback that we had to basically either make new ones or give their money back or, you know, figure out a better process so it doesn't happen again, all the above. So there was iteration. It wasn't mm. just always like, oh, these are perfect. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it was like, it comes back to the business side of things, right? It's like, it's it, we learned how to make and put all those standards in place like a real product, like a real business. So it was good. It was a good learning lesson in that sense. Yeah. And also it's the kind of thing where it's like, why, why would someone say it isn't up to snuff or it got rejected here or got taken there? Why would they say that if all they wanted was like all they want at the, in the end is a, is an idea that works. There's nobody that's going to be like, give me my fucking money back and I'm going to keep it like, it's not enough money, first of all, but it's like, it's just, again, it's just like a naturally calibrated thing that is conducive to it being streamlined in a good way for you and your partner. It's just all the way down the line. It's just like good, like a good thing for you. Uh, you know, the fact that you didn't get caught makes it great, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, it's crazy. It's crazy to have something that in your early, late teens, early 20s, you did for years 
that was illegal, but not that crazy terrible, and you made a ton of money from it, and you never got caught, and you never have to think about it again, except yeah. when you're like, wow, I really fucking did that, you know? This is the yeah. kind of thing where it's like, when you're like 75, you're gonna be like, wow, I did that. I'm fucking crazy. I really lived, you know? Uh, right. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, I mean, this is cool, man. I thank you so much for coming on the show and telling this story. This is. This is amazing. I'm going to be thinking about this one all day, dude. I appreciate awesome. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very intriguing story, man. I, I even get lost in it myself. Like, wow, yeah. I can't believe all that stuff happened. Yeah, you know? I bet. Yeah. I no. mean, at this point now, you're probably just like the memory of it, the fact that it's somewhat foggy, that it's so long ago. It must just be like, wow, did I really? Yeah, I did. Didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, it was a wild ride. Yeah. It was, it was fun. Sounds like it. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, cool, man. Well, thank you again very much uh, for coming on. Um, we'll let you know when the episode's going to drop. If you have anything that you want to tell us about after the fact, just email us. You know how to get in touch. Uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah, thanks for having me.